Turn with me in your copy of the scripture to Genesis chapter 12, and you can also mark Hebrews 11, kind of give you some anchor points. We continue looking at the story of Abram, whom God called, and when Abram wasn't looking for God, God chose him. Abram trusted God, had faith in God, and the scripture tells us it was counted to him as righteousness. That's a New Testament scripture that's also in, in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. So as we, as we watch Abram, we have seen him come from Ur in uh, the land of the Chaldeans uh, to Haran with his father and his, uh, his nephew Lot. And hold up there, and then when his father died, he and Sarah and Lot moved on toward uh, the place that God had called them. And, uh, and God has promised to bless them, and to bless those who bless them, and to curse those who curse him, and to, to bless the whole world through him. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed in Abram. And so Abram continues. Now, and, and I'll tell you again, sometime I may call him Abram, and sometime Abraham. They're the same person. Although Abraham has the breath of God added to the name of Abram. And we'll talk about that when we get there. And Sarah gets her name changed as well. She gets an, uh, an H also. Have that breath. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to hear from you. We want to, uh, we want to, to see how you work. We want to see an example of one who's put faith in you. We want to have that faith. We don't want to just know stuff. We want to be who you want us to be. And so we pray for you to speak to our hearts, speak to our very beings from your word. And we pray for your glory in us as individuals and us as your church. And we pray and we thank you in Jesus' name. So what we'll see here is Abram begins to to move toward the Negev, which is uh, down Beersheba, if you're looking at, at a map. I was trying to find a map that said Negev. I had to look up Negev, and it says the capital is Beersheba. And you can find uh, Beersheba on your map. So uh, he's headed down south from up the northeast. He's headed from east to west when he gets uh, to, the, to the Mediterranean Sea. He can't go any farther or whatever that sea is. It's off of Israel. And, uh, but he's headed, he's headed like the sun, following the light, you might say. And as he travels, we'll see that he does some things. He sets up some altars. He, he lives in a tent. It talks about him setting up his tent. It talks about him setting up altars. And that's what we want to talk about. So, now, I, I, want, to, so I want to back up a little bit to, to some of what we discussed last week. It wasn't a discussion, was it? Some of what, what I told y'all last week uh, about Abram and, and his, uh, even the week before that, his getting to... Uh, Haran with his father Terah. Now the way that, that this, this part of the story describes it, it looks like Terah, the father, is the one who is instigating this move and, and Abram is just following him. Uh, Abram and Sarah and Lot. But we find out later on that it was God who called Abram to come to the promised land, the land that he would give to his descendants, the descendants of Abram, and, and so what, what it, may, it may have even appeared that, that Abram's father was in charge, but actually we know who was in charge. 
It wasn't Abram either. It was God. God had this thing set up. He had called Abraham. Abraham agreed with God, was obedient to God, had trust in God, this God that he didn't know, but he's coming to know. And, uh, and so God moved them to Haran, or he moved them south. They stopped in, in Haran with, uh, with uh, Terah until he died. So the, if you're looking at your, your outline on the inside of the bulletin, First thing it says is you can take it with you. You can. You know, I'm not talking about when you die, you can take your money with you. But when God calls you, you can take your old life with you. It's not advisable. As we see in, in, the, in the case of, of Abram. And, and there's even a reference to God's call of Abram over in Isaiah. And in Isaiah 51, uh, the King James says... Uh, explains it this way. It says that God called Abraham alone. But if you're, uh, if you're, if you're looking in a modern translation like the English Standard Version that I use, uh, Isaiah 51.2 says, Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you, for he was but one when I called him. The idea is that God called him out. God called him out from, from the country where he was. God called him out from his family even, other than Sarah, who was born of his bone, flesh of his flesh. He wound up bringing his father-in-law with him. Maybe there was some security there. It, but what happened as a result of Abraham or Abram bringing his father along was a delay. He, he, you know, you know we, we seek security. That, that's our, our nature. The problem is our nature is corrupted by sin. And our nature can be fooled to the point of believing that there is such a thing as security apart from God. You are not smart enough or strong enough to secure yourself by your own strength or by your own plans. And just maybe that was why Abram... Invited his father along, and his father invited Lot along. But what it amounted to is a, a, a pause, a, a delay in what God had laid out. Of course, he's not going to foil God's plan because he just happens to be God. But it held Abram up. He could have been down growing and setting up and, and bringing things along. And then also there was this thing of, of bringing Lot along. As Isaiah says, God called Abram and Sarah alone, but they brought other stuff with them. And sometimes when God calls us and we respond, we say, okay, God, you're in charge. I give you everything, but I'm going to bring this along. You know, God wants us to travel light, to trust in him. And whether we bring along is for our security or our comfort, or maybe, I think in the case of Lot, it might have been that, that, that Terah and then pass that idea on to, to Abram that, that he needed to be taken care of by Terah and Abram. You know, sometimes we take on things that are not ours to take on. Now, that, that's really... I think this this group may understand that better than some people in in the USA or in Canada, because we look around and we see so much need around us. 
We see poverty. We see we we just see people locked into traditions that are unproductive and, and we see disease and we say I have all this stuff and they have nothing and so surely I'm supposed to give them my stuff. Well I'm not talking about stuff here, but I'm talking about the focus of your life. God has a focus, a calling on your life. God has gifts for you. God has callings for you. And you can't fix everything. And when we attempt to fix stuff that God hasn't called us to be a part of fixing, we rob God of, of what he wants to do in us. Does that, does that, make, that, that sounds really American, doesn't it? Okay. Sorry. But Lot did not add to the life of Abram. Lot was not part of the calling of Abram. God called Abram alone. Sometimes, well, God's always going to give you some work to do. But you need to take the time to find out what God wants you to do instead of just salving your conscience by trying to fix everything. Amen? That's something you want to say amen to. The truth is truth. All right. Now, there's, one, there's another thing that Abram brought with him. And that was his little bag of tricks. And we're going to see that as he, as, as, as he goes down into Egypt. But, but to, to get, the, get the, uh, the background of this, we're going to, we're going to flash back. But to, in order to flash back, we're going to have to move forward in the book of Genesis. So I want you to turn over to Genesis chapter 20. Now, if, if you, you listen to Leanna read, and you heard her talk about them going down into Egypt, and we're going to get, that, get to that in a minute, but I, I want to, to, to put this in the context of what Abraham or Abram brought with him when God called him alone. So you go over to Genesis chapter 20. We know from, from what we read this morning that the thing in, Ab- in Egypt didn't work out well, but that wasn't the last time that Abram tried that. And so look in 20 down to verse 12. Once again, Abraham has gone somewhere, and he's worried about himself getting killed. And so he says, honey, and this is how it goes. And he gets caught again, Abimelech, and God guards him, guards Abraham and, and causes problems for Abimelech because Abraham goes down into Abimelech's territory and says again that this is my sister. Now, look at verse 12. Well, look at 11. Abraham said, I did it because I thought there's no fear of God at all in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. Because she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, okay, that's God's call back in Ur. When God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, here's a, here's a plan. This is the kindness you must do me. At every place to which we come, say to, of me, he is my brother. See, that wasn't something that just came to, to Abraham when, when they started down into Egypt. That's not some, something that just came to him when, when Abimelech saw how pretty Sarah was. That was a plan that they came to the promised land with to protect himself. Did you bring any of that stuff? 
when you gave your, your life to Christ? Oh, yes, Lord. I believe you are Lord of my life. I surrender everything to you. But if you need a little help, I've got a trick <laughs> that I can pull out. So, yes, you can take it with you. But the advice is you, you take nothing when you come to Christ except Jesus Christ. God calls us to leave hindrances behind. You can look over to 2 Corinthians Chapter 6. And down to verse 17, or you can just listen as I read. Where the command of God is, up in 16, it says, As God said, we're going to skip a little bit and go down to verse 17. Therefore, go out from the midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch not unclean things. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Now that takes practice. When, when we're considering a move... We do all kinds of planning about what we're going to take. It takes just as much effort to decide what you're going to leave. And so we, God calls us to leave hindrances behind, to come out from among them, to come out from where we were, to leave Ur of Chaldees behind, even, even sometimes to leave family behind. Now, God doesn't call us to leave our family. We're always to to honor our father and our mother. We're always supposed to, to love our family, but not as our first love. That's what Jesus said in Luke 14. Anybody who loves father or mother, or brother, sister, or wife, even his own life, is not fit to be my disciple. And so we leave those things as, as our first love, and we make God, Jesus, our first love. And so... Abram tried to bring some stuff. Well, he did bring some stuff with him, but they were hindrances, and God calls us to not take with us our old life. And so we go on, and, and we get to, to where we started today, and down to verse 4 in, in chapter 12 of Genesis. And so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran and set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oaks or the uh, terebinth, that's the way I think King James has it, of Moray. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give you this land. And so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. You can make a commitment in the Lord's strength to what the Lord calls you to. I mean, you can sell out, even in this day and age when loyalty and dedication have been pretty well marked as old-timey stuff. 
even brand loyalty. You know why you, why you always see these commercials that say, but new Tide, it's the old Tide in a new package, but it has to be new because the product, the, 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 the people selling these things know that, that brand loyalty is out the window, you know? We moved around when I was going when I was growing up, and Mama always went to the first national bank because she didn't want some off-brand bank. We always went to a Southern Baptist church because we didn't want some off-brand denomination. Even though first Bapt, I mean first national banks are they are they even a anybody can be a first national bank, can't you? If you pick that name early enough. But she, she's looking for, she was loyal to a brand. Yeah. You buy the, the, the right kind, you buy that Calumet bacon. Is that bacon powder or bacon soda? Bacon powder. See, y'all know. Arm and hammer bacon soda. The same kind of toothpaste all the time. The same kind of soap all the time, even if you can't get it off of you. But you are loyal to this brand. That was at one time. But now, lowest bidder, <laughs> the highest bidder in, in price war, it's, it's the lowest bidder gets it. In, in, in commitments to a church, the one who's got the most horses and, and the smartest dogs, you know, the pony and dog show, one with the flashiest lights, the, the one with the coolest dressed preacher. <laughs> Yeah, give that up. Whatever. Because loyalty, that's why people, membership has gone out. The concept of membership of a church has gone out. If you come, you sit in a pew, you're a member. But God calls us to loyalty, and God called Abram to follow him and him alone as master. And we sometimes fall into the, the, the attitude of the culture and lose that, that, that commitment to commitment. And so people change jobs all the time, go to a job where, where not where they're serving, not where they can do something worthwhile, but where they can make that money. Leave families behind because they make this, this vow do you promise to love, honor, and cherish? I do, or at least until I can do better. And, and, and church, we, we're, we're sold out here until somebody gives us a better deal. God, yes, I am all for you as long as everything feels good and I'm getting better and better. Abram was committed to the Lord, certainly when he started out, to the point where he would leave the place that he knew and followed God, believing that God was God. He did that out of obedience. We benefit from faithfulness of Abraham. If it hadn't been for Abraham, there wouldn't have been his descendants who were the nation of Israel, who were the Jewish people out of whom came Jesus. Now, God would have found another way. But Abraham contributed to all that. 
The, the, the people before us, 21 years ago, that decided to put together a group and, and call a, a pastor who, who preached the Word of God, started this idea and were faithful to build the building and all of it with their own money as they went, paying for it, and we benefit from it. What is going to be the benefit of our having been here? Might be a good question to ask. For the generations behind us, do you consider that there's going to be people coming behind you? We benefit from from Abram's loyalty and dedication. There should be a benefit of those who follow us. Obedience. God brings us out. So that he can bring us in. If you go back or go over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. There's a description of what God has done with the nation of Israel. And verse 23. If you don't get there I'm going to read it anyway. Deuteronomy 6.23. It's in your notes. And he brought us out from there. Speaking of Egypt. And under the hand of Pharaoh. That he might bring us in. And give us the land that he swore to give our fathers. God calls us out. God brings us out so that he can bring us into something. He brought Israel out of Egypt so that he could bring them into Canaan. He brought Abram out of Ur, the the godless or the multi-god place, no true God, to to bring him into Canaan land so that he have a relationship with the one true God. And so that he could bless all the earth through him. In order to do that, Abram became a pilgrim. He's trusting in God's faithfulness instead of trusting in stuff that he could touch and stuff that he could sit on and stuff that he could count. He trusted God and he became a pilgrim. Now, I actually have this later in my notes, but I'm going to say it now lest I forget. There is a difference in a pilgrim and a drifter. Abram did not become a drifter. A pilgrim has a place to go. Have you ever driven across Mexico and seen one of the pilgrimages? Somewhere, something over by Lagos de Moreno is is something that people make pilgrimages to. And so they're on the side of the road, just, just a long line of people headed somewhere. That's the deal. They're headed somewhere. They're not just out for a stroll. It's not like the cyclopista here. Abraham was headed somewhere. He was headed where God had called him. And in Hebrews 11, it says that he had seen this land afar off. And him and others who were people of faith, knowing not when that would be fulfilled, that promise that God would be, had given them would be fulfilled. But he trusted God. He followed him. Abraham, Abram, verse 6, back in Genesis 12. Abram passed through the land of the place of Shechem to the oaks of Mamre that that are Moray. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. No problem for Abram. He's following God. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, To your offspring, I'm going to give you this land. And so Abram built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. He left his home where he had had an encounter with the Lord as he called him 
And when he got to Canaan, now this isn't his final destination, but when he got to this place, the Lord again appeared to him afresh. Isn't that cool? If we follow God, we will have fresh encounters with him. And I would challenge you, if you have not had a fresh encounter with the Lord, check your map. To see where you are headed. Now that that doesn't that it doesn't say there was this big flash of light. It doesn't say there was this great voice from heaven. It doesn't say that that all the Canaanites around him just moved away and, and because of the fear of the Lord. But it says that he encountered the Lord. The Lord appeared to him. The Lord communicated with him somehow, maybe deep down in his soul, to the point where he just reminded him of who he is. Reminded Abraham, God reminded him of who God is. And so that it created in Abram this desire to worship. He reminded him of the promise that he had made. To your offspring I will give this land. And so Abram built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now we don't live by our emotions But we do need to have a connection to God. He is God. He hasn't just called us to to nothingness. He has called us to relationship. And so we should have some encounters with him. Maybe in his word. As you read through stuff that you have read before. And all of a sudden it's fresh and new. And God speaks to you. Maybe he's listening to a sermon. And nowadays, my goodness, we've got the internet. And we've got still got old-timey radio and all kind of stuff. And we can, television, we can listen to sermons. We can listen to, to men of God, and sometimes not men of God, but preaching the Word of God, using the Bible, and God will speak to us through those things. What have you heard from God lately? Now, here's a little, here's a little warning. Fresh encounters are not always comfortable. You could say that Abram going down into Egypt and getting busted for having pawned his wife off as his sister was an encounter with God. Graciously, God encountered him there. Abram had walked in a direction that God had not called him. We'll hit that in just a second. But sometimes God has encounters with us or calls us to encounters by making us uncomfortable. There may be some trouble in our family or in in your job or in in your kids or your grandkids or in your church. And you just have to seek God. He just lets you know that he still has his hand on you. So all encounters are not pleasant by the way that we would wish. But God's always faithful. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13. I have a mark in my Bible, a marker. It's a very never been used electrical tie. And over in, in Hebrews chapter 13. The latter part of verse 5. I'm going to read the first part. Uh, Keep yourselves free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, this is the part I want us to notice. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? God is always faithful. We can always depend on him. We can always go to him for direction, for comfort, for counsel. He's a good guy. When I was uh, my first, I was, I was called to preach when I was 17. And, uh, and then I, uh, I had some things to do, like fight a war, but the war got canceled. Uh, but anyway, I spent time in the Army, got married, got out, and, and had kids. And all the time I felt called, but I, I, I didn't, you know, didn't get into, wasn't in a, a position of, of ministry other than RAs and Sunday school and that kind of stuff. Royal Ambassadors is RAs. And, uh, and so I, I, I finally got called as associate pastor to the church where Judy and I grew up, Second Baptist of Angleton. And I said, this is it. This is really what I had planned. I always thought, you know, some, somehow I would get into some little small country church who was just really hard up for a preacher. And I, I'd preach there for a while and then maybe move up to a little bigger church and then maybe someday be the, the pastor of a brick church in a county seat town, something like that. And then I would have arrived. I was, my plan was, and especially I thought, man, this is going to work out good when, when, uh, when Second Baptist called me as associate pastor. I'm going to just ooze into ministry. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's no need to go to seminary and all that kind of stuff. Because God has called me, and I believe the calling includes the call to just ooze into <laughs> position. Well, something happened in our life in Angleton, Texas that really just disrupted everything. And it doesn't matter what it is, but it disrupted everything. And it came to a point where I said, I am called God to be a pastor, to be a preacher. I have finished my, my, my studies at the University of, of Houston at Clear Lake City, Ucluck for short. And, and now God has, has just made it where we need to do something different. And so let's just go to seminary. And we went to seminary and finished that. And, and, and that, was, that was one of those encounters that was uncomfortable. Oozing would have been a lot more comfortable. But that wasn't God's plan. And he is always faithful. He's going to stick with his plan whether I do or not. And so he kind of drugged me into that. But it was a good thing. So now we're back to Abram. Abram is, is following God, and he moved to the hill country, verse 8 says, uh, on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Now, look here. This is so cool. Uh, names in the Bible are, are really cool. I, I don't always look them up, but, but this one is really worth noting. Bethel means the house of God. Beth, house. El God. Bethlehem is the house of bread. And so he pitched his tent. He is, he is, Bethel is to the west. He's headed west. And where he pitched in his tent and built this altar, he is headed toward Bethel. And you know what is in the back to the east? Ai. You ever heard that name before? You hear it in, in, in the book of Joshua. Because after they defeated Jericho, 
Then, and they took, somebody took some, some treasure from Jericho and God said, don't. They went to Ai and they got whooped. But this is long before this. But the name Ai means, and I call it Ai like, you know, like L.A., you know, lower Alabama. Uh, Ai is a, the name means house of ruins or heap of ruins. Isn't that cool? Abram is moving toward Bethel, the house of God, from the direction of Ai, which is a heap of ruins. That's what God calls us. That's how God calls us. He calls us from ruins to his house. Sometimes he calls us and he directs us and he drags us kicking and screaming because he is a God who loves us. And so that, that's where Abram pitches his tent and builds an altar in obedience to God. They're moving from east to west like they're following the light, like the sun, from east to west. All right. In, in your notes, there's, a, there's another good scripture there in Proverbs, but we're going to jump on past it. They're, you know what they're doing? They're trusting and they're obeying. Y'all remember that song? Trust and obey, for there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Trust and obey, trust and obey, trust and obey. I was trying to modernize it. But you only have to say it a few times. And so here, here they are. Now, they're, they're following God. They're, he's being obedient. And God is doing something in him. What he is doing is he is growing him. So we can, we can go all the way all the way back to, to the, the beginning of, of chapter 12 and just look at the, at the verbs that describe what's going on in, in Abraham's life. He says, I'm going to bless you. God's doing something. You're going to be, I'm going to make you a blessing. And then verse 4, Abraham went. And in verse 4, Abraham departed. And, and in verse 5, Abraham set out to go. And in 6, Abraham passed through. And in 8... From there, he moved. God is calling us to move. I talk about that fresh encounter. Sometimes you had to get up and move. That's what I'd say normal. That's the normal for God. He calls us to be moving, to be growing and maturing. And so Abraham went and departed and set out and passed through and moved and he journeyed. He's not stagnant. God kept him moving. Moving to new challenges and moving to new understanding of God and even a new understanding of himself. Right? He's on a journey. He's a pilgrim. He's not just a wanderer, a drifter. Let's, let's skip on down to, uh, to, to Egypt because Egypt's coming. Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land... And so Abram went down to Egypt. Did God call Abram from pagan Ur to pagan Egypt? I submit to you, no. And one of the things that makes me believe that is, is how he's disgraced and how... Well, well let's just start here. 
Abram went down to Egypt because he's got a plan of, of sustaining himself. He's been plotting and figuring. And so what, what he, and as he begins to, to carry out this plot, he gets down toward Egypt and he panics. That often happens when we come up with our own plan. He panics because he says, verse 12, they're going to kill me to his wife. But they're going to let you live. If you really love me, you will. Call yourself my sister. Because I am the most important one here. Okay, so what has happened? He, he, has, he has gone from, from following God and having encounters with God to saying, I'm going to take care of myself. It looks bad here. I'm going to go down to Egypt. And you notice he goes down to Egypt. And then when he gets, gets things right and God puts him in his place, he goes back up. Doesn't that kind of make sense? He's going down to Egypt. He's got a plan. He's panicking because he's thinking about what's going to happen. And, and, and the... The phrase that stands out to me in verse 12 is, they will. And he has forgotten what was said back in verses 2 and 3 where God says, I will. And when we get out of God's will, we get panicked about what they will do, forgetting what God says, I will do. Now that would make a good sermon, wouldn't it? So he, he panics. He puts himself in, in, the, in the, the most important position of prominence. He gets caught because Pharaoh, is his home is, <clears throat> is wrecked by God because, because God is protecting Abram and Sarah even in their sin, even in their, their lack of obedience. Verse 17 says, Lord afflicted Pharaoh... And tells him that, that Sarah is Abram's wife. And so instead of the whole earth being blessed by Abram, which God has called him to, what do you see here? You see affliction. Not just of Abram, but of those around him who God has called him to be a part of the blessing. There is no victimless crime, y'all, for Christians. And so... Abram is, is, is disgraced, but the people that, that should have been part of the blessing of the world are afflicted as well. And so, God being gracious, he moved in Abram's heart. He gave him the opportunity. He, he, he chastened him and brings him back to chastity. Chapter 13, so Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the Negev, back where he should have been. And we'll stop there. How could that happen? Man, how could, you know, these kind of things impressed me when I first read the story of, of Abram and Abraham, the father of faith. Goodness gracious, he's as bad as I am. Well, here's the good news. God loves people as bad as I am. God loves people worse than I am. And for them, well, there's really no worse because bad is bad. We miss the holiness of God. That's, that's the standard. But God loves us and his mercy is renewed daily. 
Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. God is faithful. Great is his faithfulness. And he was faithful to Abram. And when you called of God, belonging to God, who have said that you are sold out to God, renege on that, God is still faithful. And God brought Abraham back up and Sarah back up because God is faithful. And that is our hope. The faithful God called Abram. Abram was obedient, which allowed him to enjoy the grace of God. But God is always faithful. If you come to God, you come just as you are. You don't have to clean up first. But God will make you want to clean up. If you desire to come to God, you come to God because just like he called Abram, he is calling you. And you can come to him and he will save you through Jesus Christ. Because the only way you can come to him is through Jesus Christ. If you want some of that, I'd encourage you to pray. Say, Lord, I know that I need a savior. I know that I am a sinner. I know that I have offended you and disgraced you. I don't want to live that way. I want to honor you. I want to encounter you and follow you for your glory because that's what I was created for. It'll be for my good. So I put my trust in Jesus Christ. Take charge of my life for your glory. Save me and I'll thank you. And I'll praise you. And I will declare you before men. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.